My name is Trip Gorman, and in this episode of SME VC, I sat down with Alexa Claudic Ibarra, associate at Magma Partners. This episode is part of a new Samia VC series titled Future Partners, highlighting the insight we can derive from rising stars in the Latin American VC ecosystem. Before joining Magma over three years ago as an analyst, Alexa worked at Rampa after spending four years spearheading development at Hackers and Founders. In this episode, we discussed Magma's unique media efforts through their podcasts and La Time List, how Magma does portfolio support differently, insight into the differences between what an analyst, senior analyst, and associate do in a Latin American VC fund, and how Magma is betting on underrepresented founders. We discussed all this and more in this episode of Samia VC. Alexa, could you start by telling the audience a bit more about your work history up to and including your current role at Magma Partners? Sure. So I studied international relations in college. Um, I initially wanted to work either on the Ministry of Foreign Relations or something in the public service. I actually did internships in both places, well, uh, on a consulate uh, in Shanghai and at a public uh, campaign of a candidate in my hometown. But I, even though I enjoyed a lot and met amazing people, I realized those weren't the places where I wanted to develop or where I could make a bigger impact. Uh, that's not to say there's people that uh, don't achieve that in there, there is, but it just wasn't like a fit for me. After both experiences, I worked at a program for, for startups in Guadalajara, Mexico, where I'm based. And I spent like two months more of more in a, like an internship uh, role. And I wore many hats, including like office management, uh, more on the admin side, but also the community side to bring uh, more knowledge about the program. Uh, it was called uh, Hackers and Founders. And then I became more involved with portfolio support, scouting of startups. And that piece uh, has where I've been focused for the past like four to five years of my career. And now I'm at Magma Partners, which is an early stage VC fund focused in Latin America. And I've been here for over three years, started out as an analyst and senior analyst, and now I'm an associate. Amazing. I was similar to you, kind of disenfranchised with government and working in government for short periods of time, because, you know, deep down, someone who's interested in tech is, is, is just not meant to be working in government. I want to know more about Magma Partners, what you guys do differently, and, uh, you know, really that whole arc of, of why someone should seek out funding from Magma Partners. Sure. So I guess we do differently a couple of things. I'll start with the platform of services we offer to entrepreneurs in the portfolio, but that we can also sell to entrepreneurs or companies outside of Magma. Uh, this includes PR and marketing services, media and dev support, to name a few. So that's one piece. We also have uh, this amazing head of uh, human capital, uh, which supports both Magma and the companies, like he supports with uh, recruiting talent for Magma, but also with best practices and attract the correct talent uh, for the portfolio uh, companies. And also once we, this is relatively new, like started uh, back in 
this year, I think, or late uh, 2021. But we are trying to develop like a magma standard in terms of storytelling and pitch tech. Uh, we think it's like the lead domino to attract either uh, talent for the startup, but also fundraising and even drive sales. So we want to help uh, founder every founder that joined, joins the portfolio uh, to really have uh, a very uh, an amazing pitch deck and storytelling. And the where I'm gonna focus uh, right now, like that's more on the support side, but what we also do differently, I would say is, we try to invest in uh, any type of uh, background uh, in regards to the to the founders. Um, like we'll have the back the founder that came from an Ivy League school or from a I don't know like a successful uh, startup in Latin America. But we've also will invest in the founder that maybe doesn't have those connections or that didn't went to like an Ivy League school. And so we try to support like any type of uh, background, basically. And also, I would say uh, I can't recall the numbers, but we also have like a really good uh, number of uh, women uh, founders, which I guess it's like an outlier for uh, not only Latin, but I guess uh, across the, the globe. Uh, we we don't have like a very uh, strong uh, portfolio of female founders and even solo female founders. So yeah, that's those are uh, a few of the things. Sorry, I'm gonna actually add one more and that's in regards to the, what we call the underestimated founders, which are these founders that maybe uh, didn't come from like an amazing uh, college or have worked at an early successful, early stage uh, startup. And so what we've seen is this phenomenon of founders that have, I don't know, this set of credentials raising more uh, venture capital, uh, even with like a pitch deck, which isn't wrong, right? But we've also seen that there's founders that have, I don't know, really good traction, but don't have maybe the credentials that makes uh, certain VCs be more, uh, feel more safe about the about investing in them. And so we are trying to support, uh, we're trying to develop like this playbook of what can these underestimated founders do to raise uh, venture capital uh, successfully. I love it. I'm gonna switch gears into a fun question. You live in Guadalajara. Tell us more about living there. Tell us about the tech scene. Tell us about the venture capital. And then also, I think you can uh, maybe weave this into your answer. Because you started working with hackers and founders so far back, how has it changed in the last couple of years? Sure. So there's like a there's a really great ecosystem in the city. Uh, prior to, to COVID, I guess, uh, we had like a bunch of different events in, in town every every week. It was really uh, like vibrant. I guess after COVID, uh, that has slowed down a lot, but still there's um, there's a ton of companies that uh, I think sometimes are a bit overlooked just but by not being on the main cities. And I, I do think there's a, a really big pool of talent in, in Guadalajara, like cost, 
I won't say like it's it's cheap, but it is like uh, cheaper than other cities. I don't know, like Mexico City or Sao Paulo, I guess, or other like really uh, other of the main hubs. Uh, so there are a few characteristics that I would say make it a, a really great place for startups to to start their, their companies basically, or recruit talent in the city. Uh, we've seen a, a, a bunch of startups uh, build their tech teams uh, within Guadalajara. And there's this, uh, this quote or it, well, a, a bunch of people make fun of it. And it's because uh, a, a couple of people from Guadalajara would say that it is the Mexican Silicon Valley which I think is, it should be just Guadalajara, like a really great hub, right? It doesn't have to replicate or try to replicate like Silicon Valley. I think that would be silly, but that's also, uh, the name is not just because of the startup scene, but it goes way back uh, from when the, I think it were the Silicon uh, chips, or I don't remember. There was like this component that a, companies from Silicon Valley would develop in Guadalajara. And I don't know, a bunch of companies like uh, IBM or HP uh, would have and still have like uh, really uh, big offices within the city. And I think that also pushes for Guadalajara to, uh, to have like a really big uh, tech pool of, of talent. I love it. I want to talk more about your role and how your role has changed during your time at Magma Partners. I think a lot of us can, you know, we can, you can find content, you can find partners speaking about kind of what their roles are. But I think what's lacking, especially in Latin America, is, you know, insight into what the different, like the associate role is. What does that mean? What does the analyst role mean? What does the senior analyst role mean? So I think that's what um, this podcast is, is helping cast a little bit of a light on. Um, because we have you here, Alexa, could you tell us about how your role changed between being an analyst versus senior analyst and now associate at Magma? Sure. So first, I'm going to say that I think this can variate from fun to fun, like each has their own strategy. In my experience at Magma, uh, for example, when I initially joined, uh, and everybody who joins uh, the investment team at Magma, your main task, at least for the first couple of months, is going to be to be in charge of the inbound uh, channel, like which is our application online for startups that want to apply uh, for funding and which is open 24-7. Like That was the, the main task, to make sure uh, we were answering back to all of these startups, that we were giving them feedback and jumping on calls, uh, which those ones we thought uh, make the more sense for the fund and also scaling those scaling those to the other uh to an associate or to the partners if it was the, the case um as i developed more i started to become more involved with supporting portfolio companies and also even bringing some referrals into into magma and i guess that was kind of when I made the, the jump into senior analysts, like making more, uh, doing more of the support uh, to, to portfolio companies. But also we were uh, scaling as an, as an organization. So becoming more involved in those like uh, 
internal processes that we needed to develop to be able to support more portfolio companies, but also to help uh, bring up to speed the new talent at Magma. And now as an associate, I get to uh, also, I overview uh, some of the, some of the uh, analysts at, at, at Magma and also I get to see and bring more deals to the table and also like leave more of those conversations uh, with the startups. Even uh, during this journey from analyst to senior analyst to an associate, uh, you get, I guess, to develop those skills of negotiating uh, more with the startups and having a, a bigger say in, in those decisions, right? And also there's, of course, I don't know, stuff in, uh, in the administration of a fund that you uh, need to, well, drive uh, also help with. And yeah, I guess it's uh, a bunch of uh, portfolio uh, support and also help uh, Magma be more uh, scalable as an organization, I guess. Thank you for giving us that overview of the, the different positions. Now I wanna hear a little bit about, a little bit about your roles pre-analyst at Magma. Could you tell us a little bit more about what Hackers and Founders did, what you did there, and uh, how that kind of rolled into your current role at Magma? For sure. So I joined uh, Hackers and Founders back in 2015. Uh, a cousin of mine had been had brought uh, like the Hackers and Founders community into Guadalajara, which were these events, uh, these monthly events in which uh, we would bring like a speaker in startups or in tech to talk to the community about what was a startup, how startups worked, and basically just learn about startups because there wasn't like a, a lot of uh, knowledge, especially like back in 2012 or 2013, sorry. Uh, about startups in, in Latin America, or at least there, there wasn't many stuff that, that was available. And we thought also like the local component of, of seeing somebody that was already being like successful in startups would help um, people like be like wanted to, to, to do this, right? And so that was like the, the first piece, the community part of it. But then we opened up a, a program, uh, a, a small program for startups, uh, mainly from, from Guadalajara, uh, to support them basically with like the basics of, I don't know, how should be, how, how should you be constituted and like which should be like your main KPIs, how should you track them? And a bunch of investment uh, readiness, like how should they prepare to fundraise uh, venture capital? And so we did that. And also um, a couple other things we, we did through hackers and founders here in Guadalajara was that there wasn't like, we would prepare the startups to be ready for fundraising, but there weren't many funds or even angel investors investing. So actually one of the things uh, we did back then was we brought a couple of angel investors or people uh, working in VC funds in, in Silicon Valley, uh, like 
we brought them uh, to Alajara to tell uh, other, to tell people in the city or high network individuals or family offices, like why should they uh, invest in, in startups? Uh, because our startups needed it, the ecosystem needed it. And so that was also a couple of the initiatives uh, we did uh, back then. And after hackers uh, and founders, we were about to to launch a program uh, called Rampa, uh, focusing startups in Latin America. But in the midst of that, uh, we basically, as Rampa, uh, joined the uh, Magma Partners, and this was like three years ago, more or less. Thank you for that additional information. I want to hear more about you. You mentioned portfolio support during your current role at Magma. Could you tell? Could you share with the audience uh, a story about? A portfolio company of magmas that you've worked with and why you believe in them and, and how magma helped and and you know a whole packet story about that for sure uh i'm gonna deviate a bit <laughs> on the support part of it but i think this was like a, a great uh experience uh for me like uh throughout magma but also uh yeah uh, i'll go right into it so there was this insure tech, uh, which we thought we talked with in 2021, like in in March during March of or April of 2021, and back then we gave them like a very straight feedback on why we weren't going to invest them, but we told them, hey, like send us your updates, let's stay in touch and see if uh, in the future it makes uh, more sense. I think uh, a ton of startups, when we give uh, that feedback, like ignore it and say like, okay, like this close, this, this door is already closed. So I'm not gonna pursue it. But uh, this particular insurer tech, they reached out, I think it was like six to eight months uh, afterwards with like a very exciting, exciting update. And I say like, hey, maybe this makes more sense with our thesis now. And so I jumped on a call and I was on the conversations and negotiations to actually invest in it. So it has been like a, a great experience to see like, uh, we passed initially, but they proved uh, or did improve some of their initial thesis. So they uh, changed the, the model uh, a bit. And so they listening to, to the customers and to their market and making these changes. And luckily it made sense for uh, how we thought about this particular model. And, and also uh, a very exciting thing is that uh, I've been working closely uh, with them this past year. And they actually showed me some of their projections for the end of this year back in July, I think. And I was like, okay, this is like very uh, ambitious. Uh, let's like, don't burn too much capital, don't go crazy and let's see what happens. I, I thought it was super ambitious, but actually they did uh, achieve it and like keeping it super lean. So it's been an amazing surprise, just this part of we passed initially, but eventually we did invest. And now that they're like, uh, over uh, achieving uh, these expectations. So super happy. Indeed, how, how could you not be? I'd love to know, go to a broad question, go to a fun broad question. What are you most excited about right now? 
I guess it's uh, to prove uh, part of our thesis of underestimated founders uh, in regards to that, uh, making this uh, type of bets uh, does make sense. I guess you do have to build like this playbook uh, for them to develop, especially the recruiting and fundraising skills uh, they need. But I'm I'm happy about us at Magma on on keep on um, developing uh, this this playbook, and also uh, outside of Magma, I know there's still a lot of work to be done. But I'm excited about seeing more women in leadership uh, positions. There's a uh, for example, in 500, uh, Latam, uh, Damaris, and Regina, who were just uh, promoted to partners. And so seeing women in, in these leadership, leadership positions, but also more uh, women founding companies or being like C-levels and executives in, in startups. So there's a lot of work still to be done, but I'm excited about this uh, like baby steps that, that that I'm seeing in the in the ecosystem. I want to ask two more questions. First, how has Latin American venture capital and tech changed during your career? And you mentioned you kind of had to talk with high net worth individuals in Guadalajara and like explain not even just to invest in a specific startup, but the whole value proposition of like investing in a startup at all. So especially that kind of like LP dealing with them in, in the early stages. I'd love to hear a story or, or a little bit of your insight about that. Sure, so back when I started uh, working with startups, I don't remember the exact number of VC funding in 2015, but for example, this uh, Q3 of uh, 2022, I think it was according to Lapka or somebody else, I think it was $1.1 billion, which is less than what was poured like in the, in 2021, but it's still like eight times more of what was being deployed in 2015, right? So there's that uh, to start with, but also there's, uh, and I guess this is nothing new, but uh, founders coming from uh, founders coming from these early from these startups that are having uh, success in Latin America. Uh, I don't know. You have the ones that come from Rappi or Nubank or many others uh, companies that are doing uh, really great. So you have that. You have uh, more people and I coming from coming and and founding startups. I do think, uh, while, while it's not perfect yet, but I do think that there's more um, information uh, available for founders that want to to start their, their companies. Uh, like for example, maybe in 2015, you had no clue about what should be the best uh, legal structure for your startup now, right? And so there's uh, those pieces and also, uh, it has been interesting that we had like this peak of, uh, we had like a, a really big jump in VC funding like throughout uh, the past six years. Now it has slowed down uh, a bit maybe, but 
during this like really big uh, jump uh, and the bonanza, <laughs> I guess, uh, in VC funding in LATAM, you also saw like many tourist uh, capital coming to the region, right? And so I think that has now left on, unless you are like a, unless you have like an, a specific thesis for Latin America, right? Of why you believed in the region. I also did see like a couple, I guess, um, of uh, tourist uh, founders that maybe since we had this capital, uh, that so much capital coming into the region, like, hey, maybe I'm gonna start this, uh, start a company in this like hot sector because it's the cool thing to do uh, without like this, I don't know, like strong skin in the game or, yeah, like why I, or, or like that being like their, uh, a really big purpose on their careers, right? So I think uh, we saw the incoming of like tourist capital and a couple of tourist founders into, into, into the regions. But I, I think that's gonna be harder from now uh, onwards. Amazing. So finally, I have to ask Peter Thiel's famous contrarian question, but with uniquely Simia VC twist. What important truth about Mexico or Latin America do very few people agree with you on? I don't know if very few people uh, agree with this, but I think there aren't uh, many solutions yet or the right like infrastructure uh, for many companies to truly uh, target or focus on, on like the, how should I call it? Um, not like the middle class, but like uh, the people that are maybe in the limit uh, range of the poverty poverty line. Uh, I think there there's a, a couple, but I think there's still very few. And I'm not saying that, uh, it's because many, like, because people don't want to solve these problems, but I do think like to target uh, these uh, specific sectors, uh, there's also like a bunch of work to be done, like on the government or policy side, basically. And there isn't to say that it's bad, uh, for solutions to be built for the middle class. Of, of course, it's not. It's like a really uh, huge driver for uh, the local, the, the, the economies to develop, develop. But yeah, I think it's it's still really hard to build uh, solutions uh, targeted or, or or focus on like people uh, in, in poverty or in this limit uh, and of like vulnerability that can go into the poverty line. I hope that made sense. <laughs> it absolutely does. Alexa, thank you so much for coming on the CMEVC podcast today. I very much appreciate your time. Thank you, Trip, for the invite. It was amazing. Thank you for watching this episode of CMEVC. My name is Trip Gorman. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you view the podcast. And don't forget to check out our newsletter, DealFlow LA, which can be found by going to dealflow.la.